everyone, and welcome to Three Speech. It's the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. I am your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Alin. And my gosh, it's been a while, hasn't it, Alin? It, it has. Um, you know, it's been at least a month, right? I mean, we've been crazy busy. Uh, yeah, I would like to say that we did not record our podcast because we are on Spotify and we're standing with Joni Mitchell and Neil Young. Uh, but we just didn't have time. Yeah, um, no, seriously, yeah, this is just a work thing. Work's yeah, been crazy. Exactly. So, but I, I like the idea of pretending that we have ethics. I'm okay oh, with that. Exactly. I mean, and it was like one of those, uh, one of the hosts of the show that I listened to, Brene Brown, she went off on why she didn't want to record. She stopped recording on Spotify because of the presence of Joe Rogan. And I was like, oh, yeah, Jamie and I will say that. We'll just say that, you know, we disagree because we're on Spotify as well. Yes. <laughs> so after a very ethical and moral hiatus on today's mm-hmm. show, we have <laughs> <laughs> the final season of The Expanse, which was like the final half a season. I don't know. It was a <laughs> semi-season. We also have a movie that has been a long time in coming, but we can finally review the Eternals. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, we have uh, what I like to sort of lovingly call Star Wars Tales, a.k.a. The Book of Boba Fett, which is not really about Boba Fett. Okay, so no, we'll get to no. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, here we are. We're back. And um, since it's been a while, we are going to do some kind of different things today as a, a little bit of a, a catch up. But first, let's start with the Oscar nominations, because that's a big thing for you. Um, <laughs> for, you're, you know, you make it sound like it's just me, but it also makes it sound like you're saying it's a big thing for the audience as well, sure. for you, the audience. Let's go with that. Um, so, people yeah. who like Oscars, which the numbers are, are nominations. Yeah, their numbers are dwindling. Um, yeah. If if you know, there's been a lot of things that have been lost with COVID, and one of those things are people's patience with watching award shows. They would just I think it's rather not patience with the sort of arrogance of certain award shows, because I mean, I, I think this year and I know we say this every year, but it feels more prominent this year. They just ignore the crud that people like. They just straight up ignore it. And um, I think I sent you an article about how. There's no reason why Benedict Cumberbatch should get nominated for one movie and not for another when his performance in both were equally as good and professional. But one Mm -hmm. movie was a Marvel superhero movie and the other movie was a stupidly titled Western. And because one is very serious and the other one is a superhero movie, God forbid we nominate that. You know what I mean? And it's the same actor giving us the same level of quality. It's just one is serious and one isn't and thus we have the oscars and uh the the oscars are also doing something very strange um this year have you heard who is hosting the oscars this year uh no there are three people who are going to host the oscars this so year you're gonna think i'm stupid but is that unusual like is there normally yes. just two or one the, there's normally one, sometimes two, sometimes I'm I'm thinking, and this tells you my age, I'm thinking back when James Franco and Anne Hathaway hosted it together. They normally let, and I, once again, showing my age, but Billy Crystal has mm-hmm. hosted the Oscars multiple times. He's someone who can host a show on his own. But okay. for more untested 
posts, they tend to pair them up so you don't have the same amount of pressure. It's carrying what tends to be a four-hour broadcast on your shoulders. Is the three hosts a reflection of their mistrust in all three of these people or is it more of a throw every host at the wall and see what sticks method of approach i I feel like it's the the latter um let's throw everything against the wall because it is a strange assortment of people who they've chosen so Mm. the three hosts are wanda sykes a stand-up comedian Uh uh-huh yes i do know her yep amy schumer Okay. Stand-up comedian slash actress mm-hmm. and uh, actress Regina Hall, who seems like is the one of these things is not like the other of the three. Well, it, it's the whole thing. Now, now Regina Hall is very funny. Do not get me wrong. She recently uh, appeared in Hulu's Nine Perfect Strangers and did a great job. It's just. I don't understand who they're trying to appeal to with these choices because the choices in them of themselves are very segmented. Like these aren't three people who have a history of working together. Right. Like, you Uh. know, like uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, they host a lot of things together. They work on Saturday night live together. They've appeared in each other's television shows. They're friends. But this is like, okay, we need to make sure we have, like, I feel like we're checking a lot of boxes. Like, we need to have one black person and we need right. to have, yeah, okay. And, you know, we, you know, we'll, we'll let uh, Amy Schum- Schumer be there because she's kind of controversial, but not really controversial. Um, she's safe controversial. <laughs> exactly. Like, she's not Michelle Wolf. She's not going to go up there and go on a tirade and get disinvited from the White House Correspondence Center. But she's kind of tame. Um, you know, she she had a, a son a couple years ago, and she does a lot of things where she's like, yeah, I'm an actress. Yeah, I'm a celebrity, but I'm just like you. So she posts a lot of pictures of her in, like, sweatpants and no makeup. Like, it's, so it's it's... It's fine, but I don't understand what we're going for. I don't understand the the demographic, who they're trying to bring in. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't understand any of it to be honest with you. Yeah, and um, like you said, the the nominations. Um, I mean, I didn't do this. Maybe I should have. Uh, I didn't add up all the movies that came out this year once again i feel like it's another year where there weren't as many because of life yeah wasn't that the joke is they nominated 10 movies and spider-man was the 11th movie this year and so that's why it didn't get nominated is it just missed the cut it just but we'll talk about we'll talk about you know i don't know if you want to call it the revenge of spider-man but um we'll talk about that later in the show but everything that i'm looking at for all of the the leading the supporting roles i mean everything was available on netflix amazon hbo max um there weren't a lot of movies that were actually only in the movies unless you want to count um belfast mm-hmm. by kenneth branagh so i mean I, i'm actually totally okay with this i think the legitimization of streaming services is similar to the legitimization of video games. Let's just get it over with. 
claim that you can have good art that comes out in various assorted places and that we don't want to be snobby about this anymore. And I'm totally fine with all of that. The thing that bothers me is stuff like one of the movies that got nominated for the best picture was Don't Look Up. And like, for example, the Rotten Tomato scores from both critics and viewers for Don't Look Up are lower than Spider-Man No Way Home. So I haven't seen Spider-Man. I know you haven't. (laughs) I haven't seen Don't Look Up. But as a person who enjoys things, I can tell you that Spider-Man is very enjoyable. I would say do not watch Don't Look Up. See, Um, and here's the movie that's got the nomination. And when you look at like what the critics say and people, Spider-Man has a higher score in both categories than Don't Look Up. So what? What? What's the? That's my. No, I I mean, (laughs) the the movies that were nominated, I I think uh, with the exception of Belfast, I haven't seen Belfast and I haven't seen West Side Story. They were good. Yeah, like, but, but, they, but they didn't, I could they didn't, even name a couple snubs that I think should have been on that list, like Macbeth, and that wasn't on there. Uh, Denzel was in it for, I mean, he's, not so he's nominated. Picture. Yeah. No. And what about French Dispatch? Yeah. No. You know what? I will say that um, Wes Anderson doesn't really get a lot of love for the Oscars See, for whatever reason. Too. That makes no sense. So, I mean... Like we, I know we talked about this when we reviewed it, but Dune got a lot of no- nominations, not for that's acting. Just yeah, that's not for <laughs> acting. We knew it wasn't going to be for acting. Thank God. I know. I mean, the the power of the dog, which, I mean, I don't consider myself to be like a, a movie critic or someone who's actively trying to figure out what's going on in a movie, but I could see what was going to happen from a mile away. Um. I do consider myself one of those people. (laughs) I see. I'm not. I go into like neutral. Yeah. I I think it's the English teacher part of me where I'm like, okay, I see six symbols and that was obvious foreshadowing. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, um, but but no. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I don't see anything really being a front runner or blowing any of the, the others out of the way. I think sometimes we have films and I'm thinking back to like when 1917 was nominated, like that was a big, beautiful movie. And I'm not normally a fan of war movies, but the I way I did love this, that movie. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so you have that grandeur and that storytelling, but all of these movies, I, I want to kind of describe them as quiet. They're, they're yeah. little reflections. There's no grandiosity. And here's my thing. Here's my other thing. If your viewership is dwindling and you nominate a bunch of movies that nobody cares about, how do you expect to get your viewership up? Well, and I mean, that's that's the other thing is all of these films. And I want to say this is like the second year in a row where all of these films are available for people to watch and they're still not watching them. I watch them because I feel like. If anyone asked my opinion as to what would win, I want to be well informed. But most people are not going on Netflix and, you know, watching The Power yeah. of the Dog or The Lost Daughter. Um, right. And I'm happy to express my opinion about things I know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, even with the accessibility, because I know sometimes some 
criticisms of sure. the Oscar have and been, oh, people even, can't see them. People can't right, watch right, them. Right. It's nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I even like Westerns and I love Benedict Cumberbatch. My cat is named after Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not watching that movie. You told me about it and I was like, eh. <laughs> I'll watch other things, you know? I, I feel like, I mean, I know it's, it's made for Oscar bait because yeah. you have... The that director, yeah, Jane Campion. I think the last thing she directed was The Piano. Oh, God save so, us. Yeah, so she's <laughs> known for these prestige films. So when she does something and you hear about um, Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons and Benedict Cumberbatch and um, even the, the uh, young man in the movie, Cody Smith-McPhee, you hear about these quiet movies that she's making because she's known for this type of movie. I mean, immediately it's like throwing a dog a bone. Like yeah. the people are go people who are interested in that type of filmmaking, which is ninety percent of the uh, academy, are going to be excited for what she does next. You and, and about I five percent of the general population. Well, yeah. I mean, I've never seen. I never saw the piano. Mm. <laughs> I mean, even Chloe Zhao sort of slummed herself down and did the Eternals. I mean, come on. I know. Get a hobby. Yeah, it was just uh, it was just a little disappointing. I don't think I watched them, the Oscars last year. I don't see any reason to watch it this year. Yeah, um, I don't blame you. I don't really see anything that I've I've loved or that I'm truly supporting. Um, yeah, it's just they're all just very quiet movies. And very reflective, but yeah. I am I am very very happy that um, the little film that could Coda made its way into the list, and I'm also very happy that the actor who played the father in that, who is uh, you know deaf in real life, he received a supporting actor nomination. And um, I thought so you get to you'll watch to like see two categories, right? Exactly. Just, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I don't think I mean, and I'm sorry. His name is Troy Coatser. I don't think he has any chance of winning, only because you think it was a token nomination. No, I think he did do a really great job, but they also put him in a category with Jesse Plemons from The Power of the Dog, um, J.K. Simmons. Oh, gosh. Not, yeah. And I mean, and then it has Cody Smith McPhee from The Power of the Dog, along with, uh, I don't know how to, I'm, I am Irish, but I can't really pronounce this, uh, Syrian Hines, um, Hines, I apologize to anyone in Ireland who's listening. Mm. Um, but so it's, it's a tough category. Yeah. But I, I always thought that if I was an actor or an actress, there are so many movies that come out in a year and to be in the, the top five. I think that has to be an accomplishment in and sure. of itself. Yeah. I mean, people put that on their like acting resumes all the time. They say Academy Award nominated. You know what I right. mean? So that's nothing to sneeze at for sure. So, yeah, those well, are my Oscar thoughts. Well, there we go. We have more Oscar thoughts coming up in a bit. But let's um, since it's been a while since we've been on, we thought we would do like kind of a brief sort of like what's new with you kind of check in for both of us and see kind of what's going on things that we're not going to do full reviews for but things that have caught our eye in the last month or so since the last time we were able to record or just things that we kind of devoured and then moved on from um 
So what's been new with you, Alin, since last we record? Things that stuck out for you? So I'm in a TV type mode right now. Mm. Um, and so I'll give you, in no particular order, a show that I by no way discovered. I was reading great reviews about it. Um, Abbott Elementary. It is oh, on. Oh, wait, yeah, you mentioned this to me. Yes, it's, it's, on, it's on ABC, I believe Tuesday nights at 8.30, but you can catch it on Hulu the following day. And it's just about uh, a school in Philadelphia. It's shot in the same manner that Parks and Rec and The Office was shot. So you have the people are talking to the, the camera. It's a, a quote-unquote documentary about uh, schools in the inner city. And I watch a lot of television shows where every single character is despicable, but in Abbott Elementary, every single person is wonderful in their own way. And oh. it is, it's just, a, it's a very smart, very uh, uplifting and heartwarming show, but it's also, you know, it's critiquing the state of our public education. What's not to critique? Exactly. So it's just something that, um, you know, like you said, my sister said she she won't be able to watch it. She said it's it hits a little too close to home. She doesn't yeah, want to watch that problem too. Yeah, yeah. She, she said she doesn't want to watch a show about a school. Yeah. I keep trying to get her to watch it because it is so funny and um, you know I haven't had any luck. But I believe it's on its seventh or eighth episode at this point. I don't know if it has a full order of you know I don't know if it's twenty two episodes or whatnot, but. Go back and watch it. It's really an adorable and delightful little show. Cute. Anything yeah. else? You've been reading anything? Uh, well, I have been reading, but I've been going back and um, not necessarily reading anything great. <laughs> uh, Did so. you? I know there were some things you had on your wait list. Are they just still sitting there? Has that been like a problem? No, they so they have come through. But the problem is, and I don't know if, if anyone else has this problem is I will read things and then completely forget about them. Like I'll oh. read them. They're very light. They're very fun. And then you're and, done. And then, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so I mean, fair enough. Yeah. I, I'm just looking at like my list of, of things that I had. Not sure if anyone's really going to be interested in um, Huma Aberdeen's autobiography, which took me a while to read. Um, but there, I haven't found anything that's like, that's like super, review worthy. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I keep trying. I'm going like, I also started a, a series. I don't know how old it is or how long it's been around, but it's just like your standard police woman in Boston solving crimes. And that's, oh, a, that's like a, a Rizzolian Isles kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the detective Warren series. It's by Lisa Gardner. Uh, there's like 12 of them. They're just enjoyable little books about a policewoman solving crimes and she's in Boston. So you're getting like all of these like call outs to, oh, you're driving through the North End and I have to take 95 to get to three. And, uh, and I'm going to get a cannoli. Exactly. So <laughs> it's just like that's where I am at mm. this point in time. I'm just kind of like mm. now I want a cannoli. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Have you had have you had Girl Scout cookies? Dude, I had two different kinds of Girl Scout cookies, and they were both disgusting. And all oh, I could no. think is, what the heck is happening to the Girl Scout cookies? They were dry. They were grainy. One oh, of them no. tasted like soap. I was so what, turned what, off. 
What were they? So one of them was the lemon ones that have oh. like the almost like the icing on the back. Okay. And I normally like the lemon Girl Scout cookies. These were like a different kind of lemon and they were they were the ones that tasted soapy. And then the other ones that I had were like these chocolate cookies and they had like a like a circle of caramel or something in the middle <gasps> of them. No, I love those. The adventure oh, balls. Yes, they were so awful. They were grainy and dry. They tasted like they had been made without any moisture at all. And I was just like crunch, crunch. And it was like hard to chew because it was like so dry and grainy. And I was talking to someone else about it. And they said that I guess that the Girl Scout cookies are produced by different like bakeries in different places in different parts of the country. And that it's quite possible for them to be having like a quality control issue due to the, you know, just the vast number of places that produce the cookies. But man, I don't think I'm going to eat any Girl Scout cookies for a while because the ones I had were gross. I was going to say, you have to go with the Thin Mints. Those are tried and true. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I was going to get one more, I'd probably try either the Thin Mints or the the coconutty ones. They start with an S. Oh, Samoa. the Samoas? Samoas, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, I I like the Adventure Fools. I mean, this is their first year, so Mm -hmm. this could they may come back, they may not come back, depending on how they how they. Part of the issue, Alin, is we got a crumble out here. Oh, are you familiar with the crumble? No, but I'm just imagining it's delicious. Oh, so crumble is this new franchise. It's a West Coast thing right now. I'm sure it'll make its way to you. If I where. Yeah, you <laughs> know, right? Just like the boba tea. Yeah. Um, uh, where every week there's a new set of cookies, and they're all soft baked, and they've got all these crazy cool flavors. And then when you go get them, you can request them warmed, Ooh. and they'll warm the cookies up for you. So like this week is like the, some of the flavors are like a German chocolate cookie with the caramel coconut topping. And then one of them is like a cornbread cookie. Um, they're just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh, so there's one in Nashua. Oh, go, 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 go. Go? All right. I'm looking it's at the weekly menu. Ooh. Yes. And they do these like crazy videos. Every oh, week. yeah. There's the cornbread. Blue mo- <laughs> What's a blue monster? I don't know, but I'm totally going to eat it. So- oh, <laughs> peanut butter with Reese's Pieces. I'm telling you, Lynn. Ooh. <laughs> Can we just do a cookie show? Like we yeah, taste cookies I'm, each I'm week? I'm totally fine with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to start getting sponsors. I'm going to <laughs> So anything else new with you um, that you wanted to bring up? So there's two other things completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them, and I don't, were you, were you a fan of Downton Abbey? No. Or no. No. It's too much like the stuff I teach. I see. I, so you you probably would not like the Gilded Age on yeah, HBO <laughs> Max. Um, it's by the same. It's by the creator of Downton Abbey, and it takes place in turn of the century New York. And by turn of the century, I'm talking 1800s into 1900s. Um, and it's about the old money in New York versus the new money from people coming over from Europe. And mm. it's you know it's that whole class system that was made famous in Downton Abbey and you get to just see a world where people are saying we don't want to invite the JP Morgans here 
<laughs> like it's you yeah. know it's um yeah I like some of this stuff but it's gonna have a hook for me like I really liked the alienist because it was set in that time but it was about the first detectives yeah and and is... I really liked um the Nick which was set at the Knickerbocker right. hospital and it was like the wild west of medicine and that was just disgusting and amazing but um, i actually i i listened to a podcast about how they used to perform lobotomies and it brought me back to that episode of the nick yep. where they were you know using an ice pick yep. um but <laughs> it's so a great show by the way ice yeah, it's a good, i mean the, the thing that's great about the gilded age and this is um i guess an upside of covid is broadway was shut down but they were filming this show. So there are a lot of people who would have been on Broadway and unavailable for this show oh, who are on the Gilded Age. Um, and Just it also looking for work, basically. Yeah, looking for work. And um, also, it took me a while to figure this out, but it also stars Meryl Streep's youngest daughter. I oh. thought there were, yeah. So everyone in the family, all of Meryl Streep's children, with the exception of her son, are actors not fair yep and it's like they all kind of resemble it's like you know when you're putting something through a copy machine and you're like oh that doesn't look right like i feel like slightly degrades yeah like they're still that you know that meryl's their mother it's too the resemblance is too uncanny um but the final the final show and um i don't know if my friends other uh, other jamie and lauren listen to this but i recommended it to them after we had a lengthy discussion about the gilded age because i will watch everything and anything i am also watching and oddly intrigued by pam and tommy on hulu oh no it is such a throwback to the 90s i mean it's also kind of fun to see sebastian stan like just having fun in a role yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because so there's that aspect is the aspect of the transformation of of lily james into pamela anderson and i know uh you and i went back and forth about the fact that pamela anderson has said that she won't watch this she doesn't want to relive this but for someone who knows nothing about her or what she went through i think they're doing a really good job of is it showing- sympathetic it is very sympathetic to her. Okay. It's sympathetic to the whole thing, um, to the whole experience, because I wasn't really paying attention, but this was the first celebrity tape, and I thought they had authorized it. They hadn't. It was stolen from their home. Oh. And huh. it was taken, and it was one of the first uh, tapes of its kind sold on the internet. And they also uploaded it to the web. And this is like back when like Ask Jeeves was the only search engine. <laughs> so, but it, was it, it like they uploaded it to like Napster or something? Yeah, they like they. So right now it's still available by VHS, but like oh, people boy. are yeah people are trying to figure it out. But it so it's like at that that time it's like our obsession with celebrity gone too far. Mm, because I don't think that's ever abated. Yeah, no, it, it's only gotten worse. And to watch sure. to watch what they went through. And like I said, it was my um it was through my fault. I thought that this was like 
because so many stars do sell tapes of this kind and right or they accidentally quote unquote you know yeah this was the complete opposite and um you know it's an inter it's very interesting i'm i look forward to it it's a new episode drops every wednesday so those are that's what i've been doing okay i've been doing yeah okay what about you? What are you been playing anything or watching yeah. anything? Okay, so I I kind of got myself into a weird situation where I'm rewatching all of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh wow! Yes, this is a major throwback. And how how many episodes? Oh is God. that? I want to say there's seven seasons, and this was back when it was like 26 yeah, episodes, episodes per season. So. I just crossed into season five. That's Ooh, how far I'm wow. in Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I, I noticed like a couple of things through rewatching this is like one, I think I might be a bigger Star Trek fan than Star Wars. Oh. I, I think I might be in that boat because I'm there's so much of this that I really enjoy. And like, you know, I just enjoy talking about the Klingons and the Romulans and, and there's well, all these new races and I'm. It's it's so fun to, like, talk about Star Trek lore. Um, the second thing that I've, I've noticed with this is that even though it's this is like, you know, God, it's got to be, what, 20 something years old now at this point, maybe more. No, that's someone. Was it Jerry Ryan is in that one? No. No. So this who's is the, the who's one? the captain? Who's the OK, captain? I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to get some IMDb going here. Was um, it Kate, Kate Mulgrew? Kate no, Mulgrew? it's a. Uh, it's a it's a dude, uh, Ca- Commander Cisco. So let me get his name for you. I know I'm I'm also googling it. Yeah, because um, these a lot of these people are not really in anything other than this. Um, okay, so his name is Avery Brooks, um, and he was Captain Benjamin Cisco. Um, okay. And yeah, and and it does have Miles O'Brien in it. He comes over from the Enterprise, and a few seasons in, so does Commander Worf, Michael Dorn. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he he also comes over from the Enterprise, and so you had like a few throwbacks, you know, in uh, Chief Miles O'Brien and and Commander Worf. Um, but they had just really wonderful um, people in this. Really wonderful people. Everyone is just real likable. But a couple things I'm noticing is that even though like this came out in the or started out in the early 90s, so it first came out in 93. Mm. Um, so like things like fight choreography and stuff is just, you know, it's pretty weak. Let's be honest. But the writing for this show is so consistent. It's actually rather shocking how good the writing is in this show. Mm. There are some few rare missteps but for the most part, like they had um, started setting things up for surprises that happen in seasons four and five in season one. Like there were seeds planted that didn't germinate for like three, four and five years. Oh, it's a long game. Oh, it's so good. The long game is so good. And it's just you don't expect it. And it doesn't just happen once or twice. It happens 12, 14, and 16 times. And every time they do it, you're like, oh, touche. Um, 
And uh, there's another teacher at school who also is like a huge Star Trek fan. And she like dresses up in her Star Trek uniform for all Halloweens and stuff. And I was talking to her about the fact that I was rewatching this. And every time she sees me in the hallway, she's like, what's the big thing that just happened? And I'll be like, this is the big thing that just happened. You know, (laughs) every like week or two, there is a new big thing that just happened that is very consistent with the the stuff that's happening on the show. And like I said, they'll bring characters in. That will then be there. Um, peoples will have children and then those children will be there and they will appear in episodes and have their own episodes. Or like I said, like Commander Worf came in like season three and now he's just there as a regular. And I feel like back in that time, that was kind of a rare thing to have. I mean, it's it's very common now to do this kind of stuff. But back then you had your core group of people and you made your episodes and it was you know, week to week and everything was wrapped up and everything, you know, nothing carried over and um, everything was self-contained and you didn't like, there were no crossover episodes. Right. And, um, this kind of has all of that, um, you know, and not just necessarily with like characters, but with events, you know, they, they mention, um, the Borg invasion, um, which was one of the Star Trek movies, um, and they they have uh, people's relatives like um, I don't know if you're familiar if you remember Deanna Troy from Next Generation. Um, she was the woman with the long curly black hair. Yeah. And she was known as she's what's called a betazoid. So she's very like almost like psychic. She's very sensitive to people's emotions and stuff. Um, there's a relative of hers that will appear in four, five, six episodes over the course of these, you know, four or five seasons that I've watched that will keep appearing. And it's a very subtle thing, you know, like they'll, they'll, they mention her name once or twice and her last name is Troy and they never mention Deanna, right? It's just, you know, this person is a relative and it's, it's just almost like an Easter egg for the fans. You know what I mean? That's and, cool though. Yeah. It's just really, really well done. Um, And I don't know, like, it's all about this space station that's kind of hovering outside of this planet, Bajor. And you also get a lot of this history of the Bajoran people. And it's all just real consistent. And you're just following, like, the you'll see, like, the their religious leaders, their political leaders will come up to the station every now and again. So you're literally, like, following the, the history and the politics and the culture of this planet. And it's just really shocking to me that they were able to keep this level of consistency through from what I've seen right now, over a hundred episodes, you know? So it's really fun to just kind of go back and rewatch that and just enjoy it as much as I, as I am. And it's just like really good comfort food, you know, for TV. Yeah. It's kind of like just what you need. Like it's just yeah. something to relax too, but it's also enjoyable. Exactly. And yeah. then beyond that, I've been playing a couple of games. Um, the big one is called Lost Ark. Um, this is a free-to-play game, and um, normally with free-to-play games, you kind of run into potentially a problem where, I don't know if you've ever played any free-to-play games on your phone, where you download them and you play them and they sort of gatekeep you in some way, shape, or form. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And if you uh, pay money, you can unlock the gate, if you will. Right, right. Um, you know, normally with free-to-play, there's always that waiting for the shoe to drop thing. This one seems sort of shockingly generous and um so far we've got probably six or seven people to join us in playing it and no one has regretted it yet 
So um, we're all playing this free-to-play game. Uh, none of us have really spent any money on it yet. <laughs> we're still enjoying it. And what they've kind of done, and this is not, they're not the first one to do this, but um, they've done it very well, is what they've kind of done is they set up a shop where you can buy things out of the shop, but everything that you buy is sort of a visual kind of aspect. So you can buy like, um, so you, there's a, there's like a mount system in the game where you can get a horse and like ride around and um, be faster. And they sell all these different mounts in the shop. So you want a mount that looks like a weird pinata, go for it. You know, like you can have these sort of fun visual aspects to your costume or your mounts or like little pets that run around with you. And that's where they're getting their money from is this like fun visual stuff, but that visual stuff doesn't make anyone better at the game than anyone else, if that makes sense. And it doesn't allow you to like win more easily, which we sometimes will just call pay to win. So it doesn't really appear to be a pay to win game. Um, And it's very fun. And we've been super addicted to it. Like everyone in my inner circle is playing this nonstop. And it's called Lost Ark. It's a Korean game that was just ported over here, and it was localized, unfortunately, by Amazon, but, you know, what are you going to do? (laughs) And then, last but not least, the other thing that I've been playing is, um, I don't know if you've heard of this game, Alin, um, but a while back, there was a game that came out called Cyberpunk 2077. I have heard of this. It had... What we're going to call one of the most disastrous launches in video game history. And that was mainly because the the development side of the game and the management side of the game decided that they weren't talking to each other. And I blame management for this. And management decided that the game was done and needed to be released now. And development said, no, we need another year. And management said, we're going to release it anyway. And that was my super reductive, oversimplified <laughs> analysis of what happened. And the game got released um, a little over a year ago, and it sucked so bad, and it got just absolutely crushed by everyone in the video game media. And they've been, to their benefit, dutifully working on it and fixing it and doing all the things that they said they needed to do before it was originally released. And they just re-released, like, a updated version 1.5, and... um. And I picked it up, and excuse me one second, I got a cough. Sorry about that. Good. <laughs> There's a little button on my mic that mutes it, and it's meant. Ooh, so, so. it makes a cute little noise. Oh, does it? I didn't know that. Flip. How cool. Um, so anyway, they released this uh, this updated version, and I just started it. But um, one thing that is really working for me right now is I got a new computer. And my computer has, um, to the audience that is not a LIN, a 3070 in it and ray tracing. And so I ran um, a benchmark test on this game. And the benchmark test basically just tells you what settings you should put the game on. And the benchmark test said, yes, everything on ultra. And I was like, okay, let's go. And so I'm running this game on ultra with ray tracing, also on ultra at a nice hummy 60 frames per second. And it looks unbelievable. It is the (laughs) best looking game I think I've ever seen in my life. It's so pretty. Anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm like wandering around in this city and I'm like, oh my God, that trash. It looks so good. (laughs) (laughs) The only time, the only Mm -hmm. time. Mm Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, that's what uh, that's what's kind of been up with me. So now that we're three hours in, shall we do the big three? <laughs> I know. And you know what the whole thing is when we talk about this? I watched these so long ago. That you know, it's probably <laughs> actually going to be kind of short, huh? It probably will be kind of short. All right. Well, let's get to it. I've got a lot of things to say about The Expanse and not all of them are good. So Here, here's the thing I'll say about The Expanse. And this is by me looking looking at things and realizing that this is not the end of the expanse. Um, in the aspect that there's the potential for additional movies. See, that's I said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Amazon really did them dirty when they said you can only have six episodes for this final season. And, you know, just really, I think, mistreated them in a way that was not fair. And the the people making the show seemed to recognize that and left everything wide open for more at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. So you didn't have that. That's the thing. When you hear the, a series finale. It really isn't. It's not. I mean, so you think the stakes are high. We're going to get, and you got the feeling, and I don't know about you, um, I, knowing this as I was watching it, the stakes were not high um, in that there wasn't a lot of movement in the episodes. There wasn't like this big crescendo. Mm. It was just a continuation of what it had been happen- happening um, over the past season. Yeah. I felt like I needed six episodes to deal with Marco and then another six to deal with the proto-molecule. And that's those second six we didn't get. Right, right. Because I don't know about you. I had to double check that I was watching the right show. Oh, you mean with the kids on the planet? Yeah, with the kids. Yeah, yeah the kids. Because, like, it opened up. And, you know, sometimes I'm so fast with the remote. I'm so fast. Like, like it's a oh. thing. But, I mean, and you Fastest must have. Fastest gun in the West. That's right. I'm like, boop, 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 boop. Like, do, what did I hit? Did I hit the expanse? Or did I go to the next row? Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, they didn't resolve that at all. I mean, no. Damien and I talked about it for a while. We still have no idea what happened there. Like, I have theories that the 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 child is now a proto-molecule-infused being similar to what you saw in season one and similar to the experiments that were being conducted on children way back in the day. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it just it it seemed like you said they didn't give him enough time to not at all to do what needed to be done. Yeah. And I just there were certain things that I needed at the end that I didn't get. Like there was so much time that was spent on Naomi and her son's relationship. Mm-hmm. And his, you know, potential character arc and his potential uh, change from evil to good or however you want to call it. And when you see that happen at the end, there's so little of it after so much buildup that I just really needed there to be some kind of reunion. You know, I needed her to know that her son was alive. And the assumption is that he's now going to go find her. He changed his last name to Nagata, and you saw that at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he took his mom's last name, which was very touching. But after everything that Naomi went through, like, I needed that reunion, and I didn't get it. And that was yeah. real disappointing to me. 
Um, I also really need Frankie Adams to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Can we just move her right on over? I could totally see that. I don't know who she's going to be, but she could just, just, just move her on in there. I also feel like Stephen Strait could also just move right on over into Marvel and play yeah. someone. <laughs> he's got that that glower down. Like, he's just like... But he also has this, like... You know how some people have, like, resting... Can I, can I say this? Resting bee face? I know what you're, you're talking about, yeah. He's got the yeah. opposite. He's got, like, resting adorable face. <laughs> he's just, like, even when he's supposed to be upset, like, when he's telling Naomi, like, I can't kill your son. Yeah, I like, can't Aww. be the one. I know, you're it's so like, cute. I know, it's like, oh, You're you. such a puppy dog. Yeah, you just want to boop him on the nose. Like, boop. right. You're a Labrador. I know. Yeah. But yeah, the the cast in this show is great. I had no issues with the cast. I, 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 I mean, I know that like when they killed off Alex last season, it was real kind of, mm. you know, wackadoodle and it was done for, you know, reasons. And then they brought in um, Clarissa to sort of kind of take that the place of that. And I thought it was going to be super awkward and weird. And it worked it totally worked for me. I had no problem with Clarissa on the ship. I had no issue with that at all. And I just thought everybody was really great in their characters. Everybody was like, everybody figured out who their characters were and they were all top notch and they were ready to go. And then Amazon was like, here you go. You have seven minutes to wrap this up. You know? Exactly. And, and I, I mean, there. yeah, it just wasn't, I mean, it's never a good thing when I'm reading reviews and it's like, well, if you want, really want to find out what happened, you have to read the books. Yeah. That like, sucks. You, <laughs> like, you know how many of those books there are? I know. <sighs> and the other thing is that I'm reading that there's the possibility of a prequel for this. No, which, no, 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 yeah, no. It's, yeah. It's like, that's fine. But you didn't finish the first iteration of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Come back and finish your dinner before you think about dessert. Exactly. Oh boy. I yeah. know. It was yeah, it was a letdown. And mm -hmm. I even I even went back like and to make sure that I hadn't skipped episodes. Yeah, I know. Like, I was like, did I? Yeah. Because there was just yeah, I don't I don't know. And and I mean some of the stuff they did was super cool because like for example, Kamina Drummer's whole story arc was fantastic. Yes. And like she basically became Fred Johnson at the end, and then at the beginning of the show she was working with Fred Johnson and it was a whole lovely like big circle that went through and she basically became him and 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 with more power and with more authority and I thought that was a real beautiful ending to that arc. Um, so like and and you know I had no problem with what they did with Christian Avasarala. She was a better person at the end of the show than she was at the yeah. beginning. And they even had her make a speech about it. How in the first season she was torturing a Belter and by the last season she's shaking Kamina's hand. You know and it was a real wonderful like really powerful image and they just had so much good stuff and it just I really just needed them to have more time to put more of that in because like everything they had was good it was just not enough mm -hmm. I mean yeah that, that I mean that's the thing and to say like oh okay well you know we can continue this maybe we can do something else it's like no 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 I want to find out what is happening how it ended and listen to and I'm speaking directly to uh, Jeff Bezos right now. Don't go up on Amazon Prime by like $40 and give me an unfinished Expanse 
series finale. I know. Like, I know. That's, that's the thing that's so frustrating is especially being on a streaming service, you're supposed to have more independence. And right. it's, no, it's not like that network grind where you have to do this many episodes because we've got to fill this slot, this slot, and this slot. Mm-hmm. So if Amazon put pressure on The Expanse, it was totally self-inflicted. Yeah. There was no reason for it. And, and yeah, I mean, that's just the thing that's so frustrating is why pick up on a show, pick up a show from, you know, death on sci-fi and then not give it the the proper uh, send yeah. off that it needs. Right. Because like seasons three, four and five were some of the best TV you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. You know, the, those seasons were unbelievably good. And to for them to just kind of like roll over and die at the end there is just beyond frustrating because it had nothing to do with the actors. It had nothing to do with the writers, had nothing to do with anyone who was working on the show. It was literally a stupid, greedy corporate decision that made zero sense. And it's only the only thing it's going to do is tick people off case in point us right now. I feel like someone knocked on the door and was like, Oh, by the way, wrap this up in the next, (laughs) in the next episode. Okay. Like, no, the whole thing, not just, you got one more. One more. Go ahead. Yeah. Figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, can we make this last episode four hours long? No, 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 no. Same amount of time. Yeah. Same amount. If not less, if it could be a little less, that would be great too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing that upsets me. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. of course, seeing that Amazon left open the potential for additional movies and prequels. And it's like, no, my impression was that it was the producers who did that because now they're going I, because those, I don't know. This is just me guessing. Is like, I, I if it were me, I would have done the same thing because I'm gonna go back now and knock on the door and be like, so we'd like to make a movie now because we really didn't get the chance to finish this off. So you know, everybody's still open. Didn't kill anyone. Everybody's alive. Let's do it. You know, you know. They're, like, they're ready. Uh, yeah. We got a group. We got a group text going. They can be here in five. Bobby's in the power armor. She's ready yeah. to go. Like, <laughs> let's get this going. Got to fight some proto-molecule, you know? And it's so, just, I, I mean, if I were them, that's what I'd be doing. But I yeah, mean, for, for people who haven't watched it, it's definitely, you should definitely watch it. Um, yeah, this doesn't diminish the greatness exactly. of the show. It just sucks because you just want a show like this to nail the ending, you know, mm-hmm. Olympic style. And it just doesn't, you know? Right. And it I kinda... think that's, if you know, going into the last season that there's going to be a lot of unanswered questions and it just kind of sort of peter out um did you hear the light rail go by i did hear the light rail go by i was trying to sorry (laughs) i mean Uh, it only goes by about 75 times a day so you'll probably (laughs) hear it again (laughs) uh but yeah i mean i think people should still take the time but just know that you're not going to get the type of closure that that you would like and you're going to get it with some characters but not others right and that's frustrating because yeah. it really does feel like you just straight up ran out of time. You had the you you were wrapping everybody's stuff up. It was it was happening. It was going to do the thing. And then like the timer like ran out. The sand ran out. And exactly. That was it, you know? eh. Yeah. But that being said, it was still like there were some really great moments. Like we said, I think I told you the ones that really stuck out for me. And um. I also really did like how at one point, um, you know, S- uh, Stephen Strait's character dis- dismantles this 
nuclear bomb that was supposed to destroy Marco Inaros's whole ship. And he kind of turns it off and turns it into a dud on purpose because he can't kill Naomi's child. Mm-hmm. And it was, it seemed like such a horrible decision. And we were like, me and Damien were like, oh, you're going to create all this drama between you and the rest of the crew for the whole rest of the season. They're going to hate you for it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what ended up happening is Clarissa turned around and said to James Holden, um, don't ever feel sorry about not killing someone. And then, like, Bobby just started laughing about it over drinks and nobody cared. And I was like, okay. <laughs> It was like Bobby and Amos were like joking about it, and then they were like joking about going to find prostitutes or something, and it was was over. And I was like, okay, I'm actually kind of glad that worked out that way because I thought it was going to be this whole big thing for the whole rest of the season. It it really didn't. No, it just didn't. It was like, "Eh, and done. And done, yeah. But I mean, if if anything, maybe that's a motif for the whole season, is that was about as much time as they had for anything. So they had to it all up real quick. They were playing they were playing the wrap up music the entire time. They were yeah, pretty like, much. Mm-hmm, okay. Pretty much. Get them off the stage. <laughs> but um I am kind of sad it's over. I do hope that maybe they bring it back and do some more or a movie or something. But please, not a prequel. You got to you got to finish. You got to finish yeah. this. <laughs> all right. You ready for a throwback? Yeah, it's a throwback now. I know, right? It feels like forever. <laughs> I'm thinking, when did I see this movie? I, yeah, um, I'm, I'm thinking, when did I watch it? So when it first hit, yeah. Because I saw it in theaters, but you saw it on Disney Plus, right? Right, and I feel like it hit Disney Plus in January. Or December. Whew, it's been yeah. a while. Yeah, it has been. All right, so let's talk about The Eternals. It has been... <laughs> An eternity. It's been an eternity. Eternity for the Eternals. Yes. All right. So this this one this one was cool. I I I want to start out by saying I really enjoyed this movie. I think the critics were too hard on it. Uh, um. Yes, there were a lot of characters in it, and there probably should have been fewer characters in it, and that would have made it easier to digest. There were some characters who were really not um, fleshed out at all. Um, I think Sprite being the one that sticks out the most for me as being the most one note kind of flat kind of don't know what's happening with this character at all kind of thing. And then Makari a little bit too, who was just kind of dumped on the spaceship for a while and because they didn't really know what to do with her. But she's one of the the more compelling characters. Right. Um, But other than that, I felt like this was a really good very cool, very different kind of Marvel movie that didn't really deserve a lot of the treatment that it got. Everyone that I know who's seen it has enjoyed it um, for one reason or another. And I feel like the critics just kind of just went a little bit cuckoo. Like it's like one of those movies where I, I feel like one critic said it was bad and then every other critic felt like they had to say the same thing and then nobody thought that they could enjoy it. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. Um, but I did really enjoy this. I don't know. We haven't had a chance to talk about this. How did you feel about it? So going into it, I was concerned only because I was aware of the the level of disdain that was out there for this movie. Um, you sort of got like, oh, this is the lowest rated movie in the MCU since I think it was the second Thor. Which wasn't actually like true. That was a little bit. 
it was a little bit wonky because it wasn't rated lower in terms of like um, people rating it and viewership. It was like critic score. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, this was a critically bombed movie, but like the actual people watching it, it was higher. And going into it, and I try, I, I watch the trailer because Jamie's the one who doesn't watch those trailers. I'm like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, I haven't watched the Multiverse of Madness trailer, though, um, not seeing Spider-Man yet. Mm, um, that's probably smart. Yeah, I, I figured you have to see them in the order in, mm-hmm. in which they appear. But I found this movie to be, I, I found it to be very, I enjoyed it. I liked the movie. I thought that Chloe Zhao was handed the unenviable task of introducing almost a dozen characters in a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. And, you know, I, I read a review that said, imagine just picking up where the Avengers, the first Avengers movie was and not having any of the Iron Man, the Thor, the Captain America movies that preceded them. Mm-hmm. And just being like, here they are. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like, I think it was, it was very, very difficult to try to flesh out as many characters as they did. And yeah, the, it, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't a perfect uh, exercise. There were some that you got a little bit more than others. Um, not knowing about the comics, I didn't know how integral sprite was to it but i i I did not enjoy that character that's probably like my biggest negative yeah i Um, didn't either i didn't get that character either like i said i don't know the 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 way that they were telling the story like perhaps she had to be in there um but yeah yeah yeah, i mean i don't know i mean i was i was um i kind of like when when movie stars and Angelina Jolie is a movie star. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. She looked like she was having fun in this movie. Um, oh, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. and it, She it, looked like she was having fun, and uh, Salma Hayek looked like she was having fun. Right? And it was yeah. just like, you know, you know that they're doing this, like, in a way to impress their, their kids, because they yeah. both have kids. And it's like, mm-hmm. look at me, I'm a superhero. I mean, mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie's fighting style was so cool. And oh, yeah. yeah, it was just, um, you know, there's been so many action sequences in, in, in Marvel movies and I, they always add something. Yeah. And you got to give her credit. Cause like three quarters of her costume was CG. Mm-hmm. So like almost everything she did, she wasn't actually doing. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, it was like, she's just kind of miming the whole movie. <laughs> And she did it with a straight face. She did. She did. And I mean, I just love, like, I loved Gilgamesh. Yeah, I thought he he was great. Um, this movie had a lot of weird decisions in it. And I think some of them worked really well and some of them didn't. You know, like Gilgamesh, since you brought him up, taking care of Thena, who had right. obvious PTSD, and showing the, like, care and support for that mental illness was a really interesting decision because those are not really superheroes at that point. They're just kind of damaged people. Yeah, yeah. Damaged people. And one in, you know, yeah. loving the other and, and caring for them. And then you had this other weird decision where 
um, I think his name was Kingo. Like he didn't even participate in the final battle. And his decision was, I cannot fight my family. And he just removed himself from the situation. And I've heard people go back and forth on that of like, well, you know, that decision was obviously made because there were already too many characters and blah, blah, blah. And then other people say, I think that was actually a real interesting decision. He had an, an ethic and he stuck by it, you know. And and so there was some weird stuff that happened in this movie. And I can, depending on, I mean, regardless of how you think of the weird stuff, I can respect the fact that the stuff was weird and different mm-hmm. and it didn't happen like other Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean it wasn't a it wasn't a linear storyline. It nope. was it was more episodic. You got little bits and pieces here as from cool parts of history too. I right, mean like right. Mayans and Aztecs and all kinds of crazy stuff and like the the way that those scenes were brought to life even though they'd maybe only be 2-3 minutes long, you'd get like 2-3 minutes of some in-depth ancient culture and it was just so well done that those like little parts and pieces were gold. It's true. It for people who knew, like there's an appreciation to the level of detail that was, that was in the movie. And I, I know people have complained about the the runtime, but when has there been a Marvel movie in recent years that is under two and a half hours? How long was Endgame? I mean, that felt like it was really long, right? It did. It did, but it, did, but it didn't. No, right. That's the you thing, know? too. And this didn't feel long to me, either, to be honest no, with you. it didn't. It really, like, it didn't feel, um, you know, long to me. I thought that it moved the story along very quickly for what it was trying to do. Yes. Um, for Game of Thrones fans, it was very nice to see Richard Madden and Kit Harington in the, oh. the same frame. <laughs> Both of them just... Hottie McHotterson's through the whole movie. Like exactly. And but, and I'm not gonna ruin anything for anyone who hasn't watched it, but you know that when they cast a Kit Harrington type, it's not just meant for a small role in in a film. Hey, I am gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna toot my own horn a little bit because when we walked out of that movie, I actually was able to figure out whose voice it was. You in, okay, that's amazing. Yeah, and and I, I had to look it up. I had to look it up because <laughs> we went. I went to see it with my husband and our friend Norvell, and they were both in the car when I figured it out. And uh, I was so proud of myself, <laughs> like unreasonably <laughs> proud of myself. I was watching it. I'm like, I know it's supposed to mean something, but yeah. what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got that one, and I felt really good. You um, should. And you I, should. That's amazing. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like Samuel L. Jackson. No. No. Yeah, no, it's funny because that's the first thing that Norvell said, too. And I was like, no way. I know his voice in a moment. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, and then the other thing I really did appreciate about this movie is the potential way it changes, like, history moving forward. I'm trying to be real vague about this, but there are some massive stakes in this movie that are really huge. Mm-hmm. And um, not only... Let's see how vague I can be here. Not only are the stakes massive for our planet as the MCU progresses forward, I'd be really disappointed if they don't mention it, right? Because the world has changed in a very significant way. Would you not agree? No, I would agree. Okay. But here's the thing. The thing in the movie that is there, 
this is great. Um, it feeds on people. Okay. I'm going to say that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you get a very clear number of people basically that it needs to eat in order to do the stuff. If say, for example, half the population of the earth were, oh, I don't know, snapped away. <laughs> this thing wouldn't have been able to do the stuff in the Eternals. It's true. And it kind of makes you look at Thanos in a whole different light. Hero, villain, somewhere in between. The jury is out. Yeah. And the other thing I just wanted to give a, a you know, a pat on the back to the MCU is this is a very diverse cast mm-hmm. and none of it feels forced. Like sometimes there's like a forced diversity. Um, and I have to say that some of some of my favorite scenes were with um, Fastos. Mm-hmm. He was great. Um, I loved how he thought like he would give us a uh, he would give humanity a tractor when we were <laughs> ready for a, a plow, yeah. <laughs> um, a manual plow. Yeah, um, yeah. And I and you probably know this, but like this movie was censored in China. Yes, I did know that. Yeah. Um, for one small scene that is not even a big deal, <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, the, 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 that scene was pretty tame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty tame. Um, but again, another decision that was very not Marvel MCU. And, you know, and regardless of whether or not you thought it worked, it was different. It was. It was. And there's um, it opens a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm not sure where the MCU is going, but I like either door that was given as options in this in this movie yeah i mean there's definitely even with the end scenes both of them have crazy implications so (laughs) so yeah i mean like i said i hope they don't gloss over all of those really big stakes in the future because those are some big stakes yeah they they really were um and the, the the one negative thing i have is just sort of the offhand comment as to why the eternals didn't stop thanos um, you know, it was just kind of like, okay, seems kind of lame, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But that was yeah. it. I mean, everything yeah. else I really, I enjoyed. Yeah, um, they had to put that in and then, then yeah. Yeah, it just seemed forced. Yeah, you know, no, it was kind I, of I like, agree. I feel like they shot the entire film and then someone's like, like a nine-year-old was like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> they're yeah. like oh all right we gotta do a reshoot yep 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 <laughs> i feel like this is one of those movies that if you let chloe Zhao do a director cut there'd probably be like a six hour version of it somewhere oh, yeah and i wouldn't mind it i mean i would I, either i'd watch that i i would absolutely watch it i think it was just one of those circumstances where for whatever reason it was like you said nobody wanted to say they liked it <laughs> as a critic, but I haven't encountered anyone even for, so I know someone who didn't love it, mm-hmm. but he said he respected what it was trying to do. And, and that's he, exactly my point is I feel right. like you can't, 
you can't get away without saying that because it's just so different. And, you know, it's one of those weird catch 22s where you talk to the critics about Marvel movies and they say, oh, they're all cookie cutters of each other. They all do the same thing over and over and over again. And then you finally get one that does something different and they're like, oh, I don't know. It was so different. I didn't like it. Yeah, like, exactly. well, what, what do you want? <laughs> get out of here, critics. Yeah, I know, right? Go have a cookie. Go to Crumble. <laughs> Go to Crumble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, ultimately, I feel like number one and two on the list, we uh, we 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 enjoyed for the most part. Yes. yes. Um, I'm not really sure how three is gonna go. So, oh, here's the thing: if you're gonna call a show, the Book of Boba Fett, and, and I'm reading, <laughs> right? I'm I'm reading this book about Boba Fett. I would expect the book to be about, oh, I don't know, Boba Fett. So you don't mean like when you're in chapter five, it goes to a completely different story? I, I really, I don't, I mean, how do we want to spoil this? Like, is it- I, I, I think, I, I think it's been spoiled. Here's the thing. I you think know what? I you know what? You're right. Spoiled. I yeah. think it's been spoiled. It's all over the internet. Yes, it's because tough. the power of Grogu. I managed to avoid it, but I, I think that might be my superpower at this yeah. point. The power of Grogu cannot be contained. Yeah. And not just Grogu. Like, my husband had a very good um, point, and I think we just need to bring this up, is you you can fix roughly half of the problems with this show by changing the name of it to the Tales of Moss Eisley or wherever the hell they were. That That is <laughs> completely true. You know, if you change this name to Star Wars Tales – or give it some generic name, like the what if thing was just what if and you right. know, and it was just about everybody. If you change the name of this, then you can do everything that you just did. And some of my criticisms go right out the window because I wasn't expecting this to be the book of Boba Fett. Now I'm expecting the tales of Mos Eisley or whatever. Um, and then when, you know, two solid episodes are about the Mandalorian <laughs> – it's I'm like okay with it. <laughs> and that's why I, I I think I said to you, like, you know, the the best episodes have been when there's no Boba Fett in them. <laughs> that's not a good thing. No, and it's not. And I, I, you know, talking to other people who are watching the show, like the first episode, I thought it was interesting because it showed where he had been and yeah. how he survived. So I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But then every episode was a flashback. Yes, and they would do weird things like end an episode in a flashback, which mm-hmm. is just like from a writing perspective, that's real inconsistent. And the the tone of this was like super serious. An yes. entire tribe of indigenous people just got wiped out ruthlessly to look at my colorful speed racer bikes like it was <laughs> it was all over the place it was, it was so uneven mm-hmm. it really really was and you know i'm gonna I'll, I'll tell you a joke about my uh my late father is um he loved star wars it was mm-hmm. his thing. Every time a star wars movie came out, he had to go see it when the originals were re-released mm-hmm. in the theaters had to go see it. And I remember asking him if he when he wanted to see Rogue One. And mm-hmm. he said to me, 
if I could build a time machine, I would go back to 1977 and tell myself never to start watching Star Wars <laughs> because I didn't realize I'd be doing it for the next 40 years. <laughs> and that's how I feel like if he was still alive, I'd be like, oh, book of Boba Fett. And he'd be like, oh, like enough, <laughs> enough already. <laughs> like he was just like the, his whole thing was they were just like they kept branding everything with star Wars and, you know, yeah. And not just that, but there's just certain things that they can't let go. And mm-hmm. my biggest problem is that you just can't escape the Skywalkers. Right. And they needed to escape the Skywalkers in the the most recent trilogy and they just couldn't do it. And I feel like some of the directors were ready to run that direction. And then, it didn't go that way because lots of too many cooks in the kitchen. But anyway, yeah. even with this, you know, you're you're creating this this show. It is literally Boba Fett in the title and you still can't escape the Skywalkers like it's no, it's it's just it's too much. You 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 need to be able to have in order for a series to survive, you need to be able to inject some new blood into it. Right. And, you know, the Mandalorian kind of did that to the point where I was like, finally, this is going in the right direction. It's different. There's no Skywalkers around that. Oh, wait, here comes one. Right. <laughs> I will say they did a much better CGI job. On the oh, I've Skywalker. No about that. Yeah, that was they did amazing. A much be- they did a much better. They took the criticisms from the Mandalorian and they fixed it. Yeah, and I, I have no I problems think, with that, but I, I think you're right. In watching The Mandalorian, you got insight into a new realm that was, there was new lore here. You right, know, it was different. Right. I was like, woo, a dark saber. What's going on with this? You know? That and, was really cool. Like, and I and from what I understand, I don't watch it, but like the Clone Wars, uh the car the Star Wars cartoons, mm-hmm. those are some of the best episodic star wars television shows out there i heard that too yeah yeah so i mean there there's a way to do it mm-hmm. and the mandalorian oh show the way this is the way yeah, um, yeah. so i it, it's just i enjoyed it because it was set within the universe it didn't uh contradict it complemented the mm-hmm. universe and you learned something different with this it's like okay like cool <laughs> I had high hopes because Boba Fett cool is cool story, bro. Yeah, exactly. It's like Boba Fett is, you know, this he's like this cult character. Yeah, he's like an like, icon at this point. Right. So you're thinking, oh man, they're gonna tell the story of Boba Fett that we should have gotten. And it's like, no, they're not. Yeah. Even at the end when he's like riding the manticore it was like well you probably could have cut that scene down by about 15 minutes you know like there was was still something just didn't work something just didn't work and I don't know if it's because everybody else just seemed to kind of overshadow him a little bit like even Fennec Shan I was like give me a show about Fennec Shan instead exactly I just might really love Ming-Na Wen but I mean who does it like I said, she's the only person who's been in the Marvel universe, the Star Wars universe, and is also a Disney princess. So, dude, name someone else. You know, she's a me, uh, and she's 59 years old. I know, right? Holy she's crap! She's reverse aging. What is she eating? Is it unicorns? It could be. I'm picturing mm-hmm. like Voldemort now. 
(laughs) (laughs) That one scene. There you go. But no, I mean, I'm just disappointed. And it makes me, it makes me afraid for the upcoming series with Obi-Wan. Um, Right. I mean, is this going to be like how many how many Skywalkers are going to show up? <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, do we need do we need this? Is it going no. to further the story in any way? I mean, George Lucas created this entire universe. And I feel like we're only using one percent of the universe. We've only explored one percent. There's ninety nine percent that we could go into more detail, but we just keep treading the same ground over and over yeah. again. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Star Trek does really well is they're like, oh hey, let's let's go over here with the Klingons and let's go over there with the Romulans and let's go introduce some new races. Here's the, you know, Bajoran world. You know, and they they they're really not interested in kind of like going back to all of that old stuff very much. I mean, they do it a little bit for Easter eggs and to reward their fans, but it's not that much of a retread. They're very interested in exploring new things. You definitely need more of that in this. Mm-hmm. No. And I, I mean, I agree. I mean, what's, if you're a creative person who's created a universe and you're not exploring it, shame on you. Like, then did you really create the universe? Right. Or did I, you just create a part of it? I don't get it. I'm so, like I said, I'm just, um, I was excited when episode five came out and it was on, was with the Mandalorian and even more excited when episode six was with the Mandalorian (laughs) and when (laughs) it returned for episode seven, I was like, Oh, all right. When we were watching it, my husband was like timing it. He's like, well, I think it's been 47 minutes since Boba Fett has showed up. Oh, anyway, I think the ultimate thing is we really just like this was not the book of Boba Fett. It was like Mandalorian 2.5. Yeah. And um, obviously, if that's what you wanted to do, you should have just called it something different and just ran with it. But at the same time, I think we just need to do some new stuff. Some new people like anyway. There's there's just so much out there. I mean, there's there's Star Wars books that have been written and what was that guy who showed up at the end with the alien with the he was blue uh, oh yeah he was cool right yeah, he was really cool why wasn't he in the show to begin with why did they wait until season like the last frame of episode six i know i was like dude who's yeah. doing this guy's voice that's he was frightening right i'm like start reading some horror novels i'm gonna listen to him like whoever this is. Yeah, he was super cool. Or even like I was saying to like Davian at one point we were watching, I was like, dude, there's some male Twi'leks in this show. When do you ever see male Twi'leks? <laughs> Why can't we just have a show about Twi'leks? I don't know anything about them other than they're, a, you know, maybe they're they're very sexy. I don't know. That's all I know yeah. from Star Wars is that Twi'leks are good looking. <laughs> You're like, I need this to be explored more. Right. But that just proves your point. There's so much that you can actually go and do. And I mean, they they got um, was it Jennifer Beals to come in and play yeah. that? Like you know, take her and go do a whole show about Twi'lek stuff. You know, she looked great. I mean, she did I, I don't know? I like, Lots oh, of stuff yeah. you could do. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Jennifer Beals. And then I was you know excited to see Amy Sedaris come back. I loved her exchange with Grogu. She's like, oh, Grogu, that's a horrible name. <laughs> oh, I know that was great. She was wonderful. 
um but yeah yeah anyway we're we're now retreading ground we've said it we are so if you have spoken our piece if you want to watch boba fett just watch episodes five and six yeah sure yeah fair enough all right so moving on to the end i think we can push through our three questions to ponder here um question number one recently netflix once again raised its prices it was they didn't raise them they upgraded them that's according oh my god (laughs) okay marketing lingo aside if it costs me more it's raised prices (laughs) i guess you know that's how they worded it we're not increasing the price we're upgrading your experience we're not firing people we're downsizing the company exactly it's going to be one of those things where you like uh you know watch it on watch put something on netflix and then it will be like if you'd like to finish this please deposit oh don't 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 you even start (laughs) don't you even start i mean here here's what it comes down to we're trapped Okay, so this is my question. My question was, at what point do you bail? But your answer seems to be, you don't. I can't, like, I don't know how I would survive without Netflix. (laughs) What would I be watching? I know, I hear you. I'm in the same boat. I get disappointed and angry, but I'm, I haven't quit. No, there's no other alternative for me. I know there, and it's the same thing, you know, just throwing Amazon out there. It's like, yeah, they raise their prime prices, but guess what? I've got a taste of the good stuff. I like having Amazon Prime. Mm. I feel like I could live without Amazon Prime for a while, but I don't know about Netflix. Yeah. I know. I, like, mean, I could I, I could cancel Amazon Prime and be like, okay, six months, easy, and then I'll catch up. But I don't know. Like, the whole thing with Amazon Prime is I... I enjoy having things delivered to my house. It's not even the television service. It's just the that aspect yeah. of it. You get the, you know, Amazon Prime, uh, the TV streaming service as a bonus or I don't know. Thank it's you. It's an upgrade. Yeah, exactly. It's an add-on. Oh. But Netflix, there is too much good yeah. stuff on And there. then and then they do this thing where they show the Super Bowl commercial and it's like, here's a two minute commercial showing you everything that's going to be on Netflix for the next year. And I have two thoughts. One, OK, a lot of this stuff looks really good. So screw you, Netflix. And two, this was like a two minute commercial during the Super Bowl that literally cost twenty two million dollars. Is that why you're raising prices? Right. And that was uh, that was the joke. And, and it's like the sad that's not the joke. It's the sad commentary. And, you know, it's like, OK, you got uh, all of these companies can pay millions upon millions of dollars for a Super Bowl spot, but they can't pay their employees a living wage. Yeah, no, I know. So there's the, the audacity. Yes. But I it's mean, paradoxical. <laughs> I just I think that should be the name of the episode, by the way. It's paradoxical. Okay. Um, I like I'm it. I writing like it, it down. Fun word. Mm. But no, I mean, Netflix was one of the reasons that I cut the cord with cable because mm-hmm. it was an alternative. And eventually Netflix is going to catch up to the cost. At what point are we like going back to Comcast because cable yeah. is cheaper? No, it's so true. And I mean, I think 
with everyone being like, oh, I don't have cable. I just stream. You add up all if you have every single streaming service. Yeah, you're paying more than cable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I mean, what is it? It's another three dollars. Something. Yeah. Inflation. That's oh, a call on the end. You know what doesn't get inflated? My pay. No, exactly. Everything is inflated except salaries. Oh, boy. Okay, well, now that we've gone way here. Here's the the other thing. Let's continue. I'm just going to say, like, back in the day, Netflix used to mail DVDs. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that had to have cost more, huh? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) $6.99, and you got unlimited DVDs, and they were using the mail system and everything. And now you're telling me it's going to cost me, I don't know, $14.99 a month to just for you to send me something through bandwidth? I don't think so. I agree. Okay, that's, it's a conspiracy. That's, it is. Okay. There's my righteous indignation. I hear you loud and clear. Thank you. So, do you think the New York Times ruined Wordle? Yes. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> Can I just say, I played Wordle like five years ago. Wordle. Oh, it's a different Wordle. I know. Wordle was on Steam, and I bought Wordle. Like years ago, and um, uh, it was like a standalone game, but it was played the same way as this, uh-huh. and uh, and I had it and I played it, and then when everybody started talking about Wordle, I was like, oh, I played that a long time ago. I had no idea what anyone was talking about for the longest time because I just thought they were talking about the thing I had already done. No, it's a cute story. The guy created it as a uh, a, a Valentine's or a Christmas gift, a gift of some sort for his significant other to play because she liked to play these games and um, it got put on the internet and because we all need to have a little source of sunshine, it became this big thing. Everyone, you get to play it once a day and it was just a, a, a fun thing. And then the New York times buys it for, it was, it was like a seven figure deal. Well, I mean, good for him. Great. Like, great on him but the words have definitely they become new york timesy like the the words oh they're all bougie now wait is that a word yeah they're no they're bougie words that like is that gonna be tomorrow's wordle it probably will be like the words i mean let's just say that when it was owned by the the creator i'm not saying i was great at it but i would solve it in like anywhere from two or three guesses Mm -hmm. Now I'm almost up to six on most days, and I feel like I have a good vocabulary. Mm. So it's just um. The, the, Do they the, have like ads or anything now? Like, did they ruin it in other no, ways? No, they haven't added ads. Everyone is waiting for that though. Uh-huh. Every, like that's the thing where we're all pausing, and I'm saying we, the world collectively, the um, royal we. It's going. They're going to charge you to play it. Oh. So the the days of the free Wordle are probably coming to an end. But the the other thing about the Wordle pre-New York Times was you rarely had a word that repeated consonants or vowels. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was something where, you know, there were no double Ds or Ls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's happening all the time. On the New York Times one. And the words are very difficult. To the point where some people are posting. Is this even a word? I've never even heard it. 
Oh, geez. So what went from like a fun little thing that people shared and, you know, got us through, you know, the past month or so, it's become something highbrow for the New York Times. Um, so they definitely ruined it. It's not as fun. I'm seeing people complaining about how hard it is. It wasn't really meant to be a, a difficult game. It's more like a fun game to mm-hmm. kind of play and see if you could guess the five-letter word in six tries. So, yes, the New York Times has ruined Wordle. You heard it here first. I'll take your word for it. Thank you. Okay, so one thing that I always tell my students when they're writing is that one of the most common and well, and it's just a wonderful writing technique, is the idea of the circle. You start and end by talking about the same thing, and then your whole piece feels circular. Ooh. We are going to do that today. <laughs> You're making it sound like we're smarter than we are. We are smart. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're wicked smart. Wicked smart. Um, so we're going to end by talking about the Oscars again. And in this particular case, we brought, we brought this up because you had said to me something about the Oscar fan favorite category. And I said... What the heck is the Oscar fan favorite category? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this in my life. First is time. Is this the first year it's happening? Yes, it's the, the oh, okay. first year. Now I and feel so slightly it, better then. And <laughs> if you had you, said, no, no, this is like its 18th year. I no, was so <laughs> I was surprised to see it uh, created and rolled out this year. And I think it's um, maybe they listened to you, Jamie. But it's the chance for. They definitely did. <laughs> It's the chance for uh, fans to go and vote on what they think. Jerry, hold on. Jerry, come here. Um, what they think is their favorite film. So if you go to the to the website that it has dedicated to it, there are no choices. Mm-hmm. You can fill in whatever movie that came out this year that you thought was the best. And so you're just writing in. You're not picking from a pre-made list or anything. No, yeah. You're you're writing in. And I mean, it's 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 going to be Spider-Man. Right. Uh, it, but that's the thing. Like, is this just a token? Is this like, oh, look, give the people what they want, but it means nothing. Right. And I think it's like, hey, we didn't nominate any movies that you heard of or saw. But if you tune in and probably wait till one of the last awards, we'll announce the fan favorite. Oh, God. (laughs) Right? Oh, well. You know, it's like my job. uh, We, you know, obviously in all jobs, morale is down Mm -hmm. um, because of everything that's going on. So my job created, they're going to give out employee (laughs) awards to make people feel better. Oh, geez. But it's just like a trophy. Like right. we're like, but wait a second, we already get awards, their time off awards or their bonuses. Who wants a trophy when they can get a time off award or a bonus? <laughs> so that's what I feel like I'm saying the Oscars. Why wouldn't you just give them an Oscar? Right. Yeah, or nominate seems... them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and especially and I think this is I think it's such a glaring thing this yeah. year because there weren't a lot of movies that came out in Everyone is like, what about Spider-Man? Yeah. It's seriously like the third most profitable movie of all time now. Like it passed yeah. Avatar. No, exactly. And it's still like I checked before we before we started um, recording. It's still in the movie theaters. And that was three months, three months ago. I'd go see it again. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just frustrated. I'm taking my frustration out 
for the fans that it's just it's just like no 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 that's not what people want that's not when they what they were saying when they wanted you to consider additional movies right no they I don't agree. they don't want you to I, create more I kind of want you to watch the Oscars now and see if they do announce it right at Where the end they? right before best picture oh I'll you know most likely knowing me I'll have it like on my phone playing and like mm-hmm. glancing down and keeping an eye out for when certain things happen. So yeah, I'll yeah. I'll find out when it happens. But I, it's gonna be a total ratings grab. Right. That's what it feels like. It's a ratings grab. It doesn't mean anything. It's not a real award. It's like, like the Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Award. And who's gonna be there to accept it if none of the movies <laughs> were nominated? <laughs> Here to accept it is the third writer who you know. <laughs> Yeah, we found yeah. him across the street at a restaurant. Come on in. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Tom Holland was drinking at a bar down the street. We pulled him in. Yeah. And he's, yeah, I was like, is he old enough to drink? And then oh, I'm like, he is. That's a great question. <laughs> like, he just doesn't look it to me. No, he but. does not. <laughs> but no. Well, yeah. there we have it. We'll see if you're right. If you're right, we'll play the sound. Boop, boop. All right. Well, it feels good to be back. It and, does. It does. Uh, thank you, everyone, again for listening. As always, you can find us on the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Just search for Three Speech and look for the bears. This week, we have Bear Buffett. You probably saw that one coming. Yeah, no. <laughs> and like I said, it's better than the whole show. I've seen it. You'll see it soon. I'm going to be posting it. It is better than the entire series. So there you go. If you're not interested in the book of Boba Fett, you could just stare lovingly at Bear Buffett, and it's pretty much the same experience. Exactly. There you go. All right. Okay, we'll see you all again soon with more fun stuff. I have no idea what it's going to be yet. We'll figure that out in the meantime. We, we, we always do. We always have a show. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Thanks again for listening, and everyone take care and stay safe until next time.